Good evening, church. Um, it's another wonderful evening that we have, and we thank God for the opportunity to continue to learn from his word. And this evening, uh, from the book of Daniel, about Nebuchadnezzar's uh, conversion. Uh, we are going to read Nebuchadnezzar, uh, I mean Daniel chapter 4, uh, but we will consider various texts from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 4. But before we do so, uh, let's pray again. Our Father who is in heaven, we pray this day that you may uh, teach us your word. We pray that your will will be done here as it is in heaven and that you will save our souls today by your word. Lord, we pray for uh, the Christians who are listening to this message today, that you may encourage them, and for sinners, that you may show them that you, O oh God, has power to save. Lord, we pray that you may help me to speak your word clearly and with authority, and that it may be taken so. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 4. I will read. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show you the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, um, the fancies and visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the, magi uh, then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, Tell me the visions of my dream that I, that I saw and their interpretation. The vision of my head as I lay in bed was this. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in, in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches. 
and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of, the, of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The, tense, uh, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my, king, of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able. For the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream of the let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which uh, was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived, it is you, O King, who, uh, sorry, O King, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reached to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its root in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of, of time pass over him. This is, the, um, this is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. 
break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be, there, there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great, uh, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he, he will. Immediately, the word was fulfilled again against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts, among the hosts of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can, say, uh, can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom. And still more, uh, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praises. Uh, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Um, this is a testimony of Nebuchadnezzar, written by the King himself, except for um, a small portion that he could not write because he was a beast. We, we are going to consider this account to see that God, our God is in heaven and he does what he pleases. That our God saves sinners who are unable to seek him. The first half of the book of Daniel is written to show us that the proud empire that, uh, that captured Jerusalem was not the real power in control. It is a story of the sovereignty of our God, who is the, uh, our God who is in heaven, 
and does what he pleases. Psalm 115.3. We will consider the story of King Nebuchadnezzar to whom all the people, nations, and languages looked. Nebuchadnezzar was at the helm of the world's superpower. From Isaiah 13, we see that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered all of what is today Egypt, Iran, Syria, uh, up to Saudi Arabia. He had built an incredible city. The architecture was, was great. Uh, Babylon was home to the Hanging Gardens, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was wise according to the, standard of the, the standards of the world. We see him in chapter 1, um, glooming men to be trained in uh, education and wisdom, so that he wanted to surround himself with, with uh, wise people. He was powerful. He was wise. He had achieved all that uh, a man could desire. Again, he was proud, as we see, but God was going to humble him because we know that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, as we see in James chapter 4, verse 6. The story of Nebuchadnezzar is fitting uh, to show us that God has been saving Gentiles even from old, in the Old Testament. God did not start saving Gentiles in the, in the New Testament. We do, we do not generally think of salvation or conversion as an Old Testament thing. We think of it as a thing uh, in the Old Testament, as a thing exclusive for Jews, a story of God seeking his people, Israel. In fact, the book of Daniel is a story of God punishing his people Israel for disobedience, for their unfaithfulness. So it, it is generally thought that all of the Old Testament is a story of Israelites and God pursuing Israel. We do not think of God calling and redeeming Gentiles in the Old Testament, but he did. We see it in the case of Nebuchadnezzar, in the case of uh, Rahab, Ruth. These are people who are Gentiles, who are saved in, in the Old Testament. So as much as the story of uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the story of God punishing his children, it is also a story of God seeking and saving Gentiles we see a Gentile king being saved here. We see that the story of Nebuchadnezzar is the story of God, uh, again, punishing his children, the Israelites, for disobedience and unfaithfulness in worshiping foreign gods. Um, my, my applications are in the sermon, so I, I will not have applications at the end. 
So be keen to get the applications as we go, because uh, we, we learn from this statement that this story, we are going to see about Nebuchadnezzar's conversion, but it, it is also the story of God punishing his children. We see in Hebrews 12, 7 to 8, that it is for discipline that you have to, end, uh, that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have uh, participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So for the believers, we learn here that God will make us to go through trouble or times of suffering for our own soul's sake so that we don't get lost. God will punish us like he punished the Israelites in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. This story of Nebuchadnezzar is also a story of God seeking Nebuchadnezzar and saving him, a proud sinner, a pagan, one who wouldn't be considered as a child of God, especially in the Old Testament. But praise God, the salvation is the gift of God to every single race of people on earth. Salvation is for us. Salvation is for you. The gospel has been given to us. Uh, sorry, let me read Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So this is for you who are not born again. You have heard the word today, and if you hear the word, if you hear God speaking to you, do not harden your heart. Because the gospel is for your salvation. The story of Nebuchadnezzar is a story of conversion through faith or even the worst of sinners. We see that Nebuchadnezzar was proud. He, he was a murderer. He was um, full of himself, if I would say. But God sought him. God saved him. Nebuchadnezzar believed, and he was saved. We are not told anything about Nebuchadnezzar's life after his salvation. But we are told what is important. In chapter 4, towards the end, he believed, he confessed it himself. Like the, like the thief uh, on the cross with Jesus, who did not have any opportunity to live and do good works but went to heaven, 
he believed. This is to show us that our salvation comes to us by faith, not by anything that we do, but by faith in Jesus Christ. The story of Nebuchadnezzar, again, is a story of God's sovereign and powerful work in which Christ is revealed and a sinner, um, in which Christ is revealed to a sinner like Nebuchadnezzar and like in the New Testament, Saul. So I believe God revealed uh, Christ to, to Nebuchadnezzar, as we will see in chapter 2. I believe God gave Nebuchadnezzar the opportunity to, I would say God in a way presented the gospel to him in his dream because he showed him in chapter 2, as we will consider, of his kingdom that was to last uh, forever. Before we get to chapter 2, uh, this is how the story starts in chapter 1. Um, Judah falls in the hands of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, they are taken, Judah is taken to captivity. And we are told in chapter 1 about four people, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are uh, taken to Babylon, and in the attempt of the king, the king um, commanded that a few young, healthy men, wise men, be taken from among the Jews uh, to be taught and educated um, so that they are uh, wise people, so that they can serve him. Another application for us here, uh, a few minutes ago, Pastor Eric was saying of our place uh, to be faithful of, as Christians uh, wherever we are. Daniel, Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego were not just chosen random. They were faithful Christians. They were the best, if I would say. They were chosen for that fact. And as we will see, they will refuse to bow to the gods of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the gods of Babylon, because they are faithfully serving God uh, where they are. So there is a place for us Christians to serve God where we are in whatever thing that we are doing. We ought to be the best. As Pastor Eric was saying, if your employer uh, is to lay off some people and you're in the top 10 lists of the people who, uh, his list of people to lay off, then you're not being a Christian. You're supposed to be the person he will consider an asset to the business, to serve faithfully as uh, this, these people here did. So we, we see that in chapter 2, um, God speaks to Nebuchadnezzar through a dream. Uh, the king dreams, and he could not interpret the dream. So he orders that 
the magicians and Chaldeans be brought, be summoned, so that they can tell him his dream and what it means, but they could not. But Daniel uh, was being groomed, uh, being groomed by the king who do that. So when the king gave an order that all the wise men be killed, when uh, the person who had the order went to kill Daniel, he told him, you know, take me to the king and I can interpret this uh, dream for him. So we see in chapter 2, verse 24, onwards, uh, I will read uh, from, sorry, from verse 24. Therefore, Daniel went into Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known uh, to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days. Your dream and the visions, um, sorry, your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are this. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, uh, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who uh, reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold a great image, the image mighty and exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, and its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was a dream. 
Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given uh, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all this. And as you saw, the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of uh, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as for the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. This is what I believe to be um, an encounter of the gospel. This is Nebuchadnezzar encountering the gospel. Nebuchadnezzar was a powerful king, as we have seen. He had conquered the world to say. I'm sure at, his, at some point in his life, he had thought to himself, you know, what can I do to make this kingdom of mine last forever? You know, what can I do to have this power forever? Um, I, I, am, I own a small business. And I do think sometimes, what will I do, you know, to make this business outlive me? So that when, uh, when I'm not here, you know, the name will remain, the business will remain. I am sure at some point, this wise king uh, had thought about that. And he has received a dream from God, and God is simply telling him, this kingdom, this great kingdom that I have given you, I will take away. You know, you think you're powerful, 
you're not powerful. Your powers will come to an end. But, it, but there is a kingdom that will last forever. The kingdom of Jesus Christ that was to come. This is why I say that Nebuchadnezzar, in his dream, encounters the, the gospel. Um, Nebuchadnezzar, like most of us, had the message, as we do hear the gospel, but did not believe it. Even though um, we see like, it may appear like he did believe, we see in verse 47, the king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. It may sound like Nebuchadnezzar had believed, but he hadn't. We know that he hadn't because, because of what happened in chapter 3. So in chapter 3, after this dream has been revealed to him, after he has known that there is a God greater than all gods who has revealed this mystery to him, instead of worshipping that God, he goes on to build a golden image and gives an order that all people should worship it. This is why we know he had not believed. We see again the faithfulness of God's servant, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who did not worship this image. And we see some Chaldeans who were malicious and accused the three before the king and told them, uh, and told him, there are three guys who will not worship, who will not bow down to this God that you have created um, when everyone else does. What we see here is God getting at Nebuchadnezzar's pride. He wanted, he was the man, whatever he wanted uh, was done. There's, there's this uh, movie I watched some time when I was in campus, just, just to show that um, men are proud. We, we do not like to be corrected. There was this professor, uh, a dean of the engineering department. He had a pen that apparently was magical, that was given to him by his professor, a pen that could write on the moon where there is no gravity. And he was giving a speech to uh, freshmen, telling them that he, had, he was the best student in his time. There was no one worthy, you know, to give that pen to. One of the students, the freshman, raised his hand and told him, if, if they invented a pen, you know, to write on the moon, why, why could they not use a pencil? You know, why, why spend so much on inventing a pen that can write on the moon? The guy was not happy. No one likes to be corrected uh, in his own kingdom if I would say that. 
um, a friend of mine also told us, once told us a story about a meeting they had where they were hired as professionals to come and give their professional uh, opinion. They were to design some uh, apps, I don't know, website things. She's the experts. Uh, in the meeting, they, they are brainstorming, and then he says, you know, why don't you make this thing a web app? And guys look at him and tell him, it is a web app. You know, being corrected in your own expertise doesn't, doesn't feel good. No one likes that. So here is a king, the most powerful king. He has conquered all the kingdoms. Whatever he says goes. He has ordered people to worship this um, idol that he has created. And three guys, his slaves, people who eat his food, will not worship as he had ordered. He was angered. So we, we see his um, pride being uh, injured here by God. In verse, um, so he, he orders that these three guys be thrown into a furnace, you know, to, to, to see how angry he was. You know, the, the furnace did a, a nice job uh, burning people at level one. He ordered the fire to be raised to level seven. That's how angry he was. The fire was so bad that the people who tied Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw them in the fire got burnt while at it. Imagine his shock when he saw these guys lose in the fire. They put in three guys and they see four guys. In verse 24, chapter 3, we see that the king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. Uh, true, O king, he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. This is what I believe uh, to be an encounter, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's encounter with Christ. He has received a message ab about a kingdom that was to be everlasting. He did not believe. He has seen a miracle. He has seen... Uh, Christ in the fire, but still he would not believe. Even though it may appear like he did, he says in verse 28, uh, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered, 
and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in, in ruins. For, they, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. He sees a miracle. He sees God rescuing these three. And he acknowledges that there is no one, there is no God who can do that. And still, he does not believe. At this point, um, he only proves that we men are forgetful. We hear the gospel over and over and over. We know that the power of God unto salvation is the gospel, but we do not believe. To show that we, we, we get used to, to these things, Pastor Murungi likes to give an example of how you were excited the first time you came to TBC. You know, hearing the word, you're excited. A reformed church. But one month passes, two months passes, three months, one year, two years after, you afford to sleep when the, when, when the sermon is being preached. You afford to miss one Sunday. You afford to miss two Sundays. And you just, you get used to these things. When one day you consider them sweet and precious, they just become ordinary. The, the gospel of God doesn't cease to be precious. It is precious every day. And to those who have not believed, you only have one thing to do, to believe. Unlike uh, this proud man, believe, believe in the gospel and be saved. It is in chapter 4 that we see Nebuchadnezzar's conversion. I believe that God saved Nebuchadnezzar the way he did to show us something, to show us that we do not have the power in ourselves to save ourselves. In chapter 4, verse... Um, Verse 4, Nebuchadnezzar says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. Again, in chapter, in verse 29, after again, uh, the dream had been interpreted, uh, had been revealed to him. Verse 29, he says, it says, at the end of the 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built, and by my, by my mighty power, as, sorry, 
is not this great Babylon which I have built by my, by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. It could be that he was just admiring what he had achieved at the top of the palace. It could be that he was thinking of David's message and God telling, them, telling him that he will uh, cut him off and he will become like a beast for seven periods and being angry, angry at God. Look at this. Have I not done this with my power? Is this not my Babylon? You know, what, what do you mean it will be taken away from me? It could be that Nebuchadnezzar at this point was angry. I believe that God reduced him to a beast to show him that he did not have the power. God saved a beast. God saved someone who was not able to do anything by himself at that point. The same way we are dead in our sins and trespasses. We have no ability whatsoever as sinners to save ourselves. If you are an unbeliever, I dare say that you're like that beast, that goat, that goat grazing uh, in the fields. You have no ability whatsoever to comprehend the gospel. Again, our God is in heaven and he does what he pleases and he saves whom he saves. When Nebuchadnezzar is most humiliated and powerless, our most high God saves him. We see that in verse 34 of chapter 4. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever. So if you're hearing this today, if you hear the gospel and you consider yourself a sinner, God is already working in your heart because there is no way you will feel like that unless the Holy Spirit is working in you. You are dead. So the best thing to do is to believe to repent and believe. See what counsel uh, David gives to Nebuchadnezzar in verse 27. Chapter 4, verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins and practice righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. Uh, sorry. Um, Daniel is saying, great king, you have one thing to do. Repent. 
Repent of your sin. Um, that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. This is the same message that our Lord Jesus Christ preached in Matthew 4.17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the same message that the disciples preached. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent in Mark 6, 12. This is the same message that they continued to preach in Acts 2, 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The one thing to do after you have heard the gospel is to repent. That is your part. It is not to ask Jesus into your heart, as preachers uh, tell us these days. You know, the command is not to accept Jesus, to ask him into your heart. You do not ask Jesus. He has commanded you to repent. That is what you do. And so again here we see that the story of Nebuchadnezzar is a story uh, it is a story of God it is a story of God's sovereign and powerful work in which Christ is revealed to sinner uh, to a sinner that uh, to Nebuchadnezzar, and in our case, it is to teach us that salvation is the work of God. We, we are privileged to receive the gospel from our comfort zones. We are here seated comfortably. We do not, we did not have to go, uh, God did not have to go to this extent to bring the gospel to us. To some people he will bring uh, suffering and humbling, but to others he will just receive the gospel. Let us not harden our hearts. Let us not Wait to be humbled by God. Let us humble ourselves before God. Repent and be saved. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this word that you have brought, us, uh, brought to us today. That you, O oh God, are in heaven doing what pleases you, that you save both Jews and Gentiles, and that you have brought salvation to us by the gospel. We thank you that the gospel is preached here every Sunday. 
woe unto the person who will not repent and believe. Lord, we pray for all souls that are listening to this message today and are not, have not believed. We pray for them that they may see the urgency to believe and that they may turn to you to repent of their sins. We pray for all believers who are here today that they may be encouraged to know that our God is the most high God, the most powerful God. He sets kings and removes them. Uh, you, God, are, you are the one who has the power to save us. And you saved us, Lord. We rejoice in that. So we pray that this message will um, be written in our hearts so that we may not forget the gospel and that we may cherish the gospel every day of our lives. We thank you for this day and all um, that has been taught here. We thank you for Manasseh and Gloria who are going to Meru to preach this gospel. Lord, we pray that you may equip them with everything that they need, that they will not lack doing your work. As we go to our respective places, respective places, be with us until we meet again when you will it. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.